thanks. Great to see you, you may be seated. So glad to be here. Thank you, Pastor Nat, for uh, inviting me again. I know uh, Pastor Hartley's not here tonight, but uh, always appreciate uh, the invitation. I love you guys. I love being here. Thanks, uh, Musos. That was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, didn't they do a great job? Really uh, tremendous. You guys are so blessed. Um, just give me one sec. Love, uh, anyone enjoying the series on Romans? So good. So much good stuff in there. Uh, Laura, Laura, that was, where's Laura? That was a fantastic message. Great revelation. Really, really good. You took most of my notes, so. <laughs> but uh, it's interesting the way the Holy Spirit will often dovetail things together. And uh, so I'm going to share a little bit along what you were sharing. So uh, that was really, really good. Uh, so we're going to continue in the series. Uh, if you've been here if, uh, in our campus as well, we're looking at Romans. Isn't it good to be part of a multi-campus multi-extension service. I mean, you guys are starting them all over the place. Bankstown, Maryland's tonight. Uh, Sydney, a city for Christ. That's the goal, isn't it? Yeah, so uh, so glad to be part of it and so glad to be with you guys here tonight. Romans uh, chapter 8, verses 5 to 9. I'm just going to read this out. It might be up on the screens. Uh, there it is. So uh, this is the second part in the series. Uh, it says this, uh, for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the spirit, the things of the spirit, for, the, for to be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace, because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can it be. So then, those who are in the flesh cannot please God, but you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if indeed the spirit of God dwells in you. Uh, I just want to uh, build a, a small foundation uh, that I'm going to uh, build on top of, uh, out of that message. But last week in our church, and this is a sort of building on top of what I spoke about, just, and I'm sure it was covered, but just so that you, uh, uh, I've got all the bases covered. So uh, the first week was about no condemnation in Christ. And uh, I'm not sure who spoke in the morning, but I know Leon spoke in the evening thought it was absolutely phenomenal on that subject. So uh, basically what the first part of Romans is telling us is that uh, God doesn't accept you because you're good. God doesn't accept us into heaven because we're good. It's not because we're better than other people. God doesn't judge people on a bell curve. Bell curve is what they use for marking people at universities. So you have, it goes like that, so you have a few people up here that get high distinctions and a few more that get distinctions, a few more that get credits. In the middle, you've got a whole bunch of passes and then you've got a whole bunch of fails uh, or working their way down. God does not judge us on a bell curve. We don't come before God and go, well, I might not quite be a HD, I'm not a high distinction, I've got a few areas, but I'm also not as bad as all these people down the other end either, so I should be okay. Oftentimes, that's the way we come to God, and God says it's got nothing to do with how good you are, because God's standard is perfection, so if you're going for an ATAR, you get a hundred or you're out, and statistically, it's impossible to get a hundred, and God knows that, so... <laughs> so we don't stand before God because 
we're good. We don't come before God with our righteousness and say, God, I've got all these things because he just says, well, why don't you start having a read of the Bible? And if you read the first five, cha- uh, the first five chapters of the Bible, you realize there's at least 600 laws that you need to keep. And if you go through all those laws and you go, well, I'm going okay, then God goes, okay, well, do you think you're going okay with those laws? Then there's the sins of commission, which is, whoops, I shouldn't have done that and I did that, you're out. And even if you think I'm going all right there, then there's the sins of omission. Oh, I didn't do that and I should have. Wow, I'm out. And even if you still think you're going okay, then there's the sins of our thinking. You mean they count as well? Not just what what I do, but what I think? Absolutely, that's what the Word of God says. So even if you think the wrong thing, you're out. And then there's the sins of the heart, the greed, the avarice. You've got the jealousy. You've got all these things. You mean they count as well? Yes, they do. So when we think we're going to come before God because we're good, we're deceiving ourselves. That's why the Word of God shows us that there's only one way to stand before God, and it's in Jesus Christ. We don't stand before God because we're perfect, but we have faith in the perfect one. That's what makes us righteous before God. And the Bible says if our faith is in Jesus, we are justified. What does justified mean? It means I just trust in Jesus. Not Jesus and the offering that I gave. Not Jesus and the good works that I did. Not Jesus and the, and the things I did to make up for it. No, I stand before God just trusting in Jesus. That's what the first part of Romans teaches us. That, and therefore, because we're trusting in Jesus, God is never going to condemn you. He's never, so often as a pastor, you hear people and stuff happens in their life and they'll say, why is God punishing me? Thinking that, oh, that thing I did years ago, or I didn't do that or whatever, and therefore God somehow uh, paying me back or, or, or extracting it out of me now. That's not the way God works. That scripture tells us there is no condemnation in Jesus Christ. He will never judge you. He will never punish you for the things that you've done because he's already put them upon Jesus Christ. Therefore, we stand before God with confidence, the Bible says, knowing that if we stand before him in Christ, he hears us and will answer our prayers. Okay, so you got that. That's, that's, I just wanted to get that right at the start because I'm going to build out of, that, out of that right now. So if we move on from that first part, then it goes on to say well, uh, the stuff that I just uh, read. So, uh, if you remember what I said, <laughs> which I read a whole bunch of scriptures and there's so much in there, but it said something about being carnal. Most of us would have picked that up. <laughs> flesh, we hear those words. The flesh, being carnal, living in the flesh as opposed to living in the spirit. What does it mean? What does that mean? What does it mean to set your mind on the things of the flesh? What does it mean to be carnally minded as opposed to living according to the Spirit and setting your minds on the things of the Spirit? Now, obviously, in the, the first thing we think about is, is having a, a carnal mind or just thinking about temporal things, and, and, uh, and that's pretty obvious. You know, we're, we're pretty clear that that's carnal, that that's, that's uh, living off after the flesh. And so I don't want to deal with that today because most Christians know that that's not right and somehow that's not going to produce anything after God. I want to deal with another thought here today. And that is that to be carnally minded and to live according to the flesh 
It says there in verse 8, so then those who are in the flesh cannot please God, right? So if you're in the flesh, you can't please God. There's another group of people that the Bible says can't please God as well. And if you've read Hebrews, you'll remember in Hebrews 11.6 it says this, without faith it's impossible to please God. So if you're in the flesh, if you're living carnally, you can't please God. And also says if you're without faith, it's impossible to please God. And therefore, to be in the flesh or to have your mind set on the things of the flesh, to be carnal is actually, another dimension of it, is to be living without faith in, in Jesus Christ and his word. Not for salvation. Because we know oftentimes, oh, forgive him, I've committed this and I've done that and I need forgiveness. I know I can't come before God because of my unrighteousness and I accept his forgiveness and I am justified. But the Bible also says this in Romans, the just, the justified, those who trust in Jesus are not saved by, or just saved by faith, but it says the just shall live by faith. But often as Christians, what happens is we get saved and we believe God but then once we're saved, we begin to think that we're accumulating good works. And I've done this myself, and I know it's a common attribute of believers, that we, we, we somehow then begin to think that God's going to answer our prayers because we're doing all these good things. I'm going to the prayer meeting. I'm tithing. I, I turn up to church regularly. I, I'm doing good things. I'm serving in the church. I'm doing, and then when the prayers don't get answered, we start to get angry because we think, God, I've done all these things. I'm serving you. Why are you not answering my prayer? But the Bible tells us that we don't just, we're not just saved by faith. We live by faith. God does not answer your prayers because of good works, but because of faith in Jesus Christ. That's how we've got to live. So your future, your dreams, your desires, your calling, the things that God has placed in your heart are not going to come to pass because you've accumulated good works and have built up a ledger, which means that somehow you can twist God's arm to do what you want him to do, but we live by faith in Jesus Christ and his word alone. That was the revelation of the, Re of the Reformation. Script, uh, sola Scriptura, which is Scripture alone, the Word of God alone. We don't come before God and are saved by works, neither do we live out our life believing that works is going to produce the favour of God in our lives. I got this revelation in my own life in a very painful way. Probably about four years ago, we were going through a very uh, difficult time in our church financially. I had to actually go part-time for the first time in over 10 years. I'd been full-time for more than 10 years. I had to go part-time. Um, and we were also subsidising the church financially. It was just a very, very difficult financial time. And so, personally, our family, we didn't then have a lot of uh, money to spend. We had two cars at the time. Uh, one of our cars was due for Rego, needed some work done on it, and we couldn't afford to, to get it fixed. Um, and so my wife and I, Nicole, we spoke and we decided that we just have to sell the car. We can't afford to get it fixed. Uh, we can't get it registered without getting it fixed. Therefore, there's no point having it just sitting there. We'll sell it. So we sold the car. Didn't get much for it, about $200. You know, when those, you ring them up and they come and take it away. <laughs> so, um, and so then we only had one car. We've got three kids. We're doing a lot of stuff. And so I ended up having to catch the bus a lot of places. So I was catching the bus to church on a Sunday getting on the bus, catching the bus to church, 
preaching prosperity, preaching God's blessing, preaching God's abundance. My wife would, I, I had to go earlier, she would then drive and we'd, and we'd go home. This was happening for a number of months and I got to the point where, I don't know about you and I'm sure Pastor Nat would never do this, but even though I'm a pastor, I was swearing at God. Anyone ever done that? <laughs> I know, it's confession time for the pastor. I was sitting on the bus, I was sitting up the back, and I was just so angry about so many different things, and I said to God, this is BS, although I didn't say BS. <laughs> I actually said the real word. <laughs> I'm like, you have got to be kidding me. I've been serving you. I've dedicated my life to you. I've, I've done all these things for you and your kingdom, and here I am sitting on a bus because we can't afford a second car. And the Lord said this to me, your need doesn't move me. And I said, who the hell do you think you are? I thought you were supposed to be a God of grace and mercy. He's like, your need does not move me. And I was like, what the hell are you trying to tell me? <laughs> what do you mean? And, he's, and the Lord began to show me this, this revelation. He said, need does not move me. Faith moves me. There's need all over the world. There's needs everywhere. And we're calling on God wanting to meet our needs, but we're hoping that he's going to do it because we've accumulated a whole bunch of good works and thinking that somehow that's going to make God do what we want him to do, and he's not going to do it. He is not moved by need. He is moved by faith. Without faith, it is impossible to please God. And when we are not in faith... We are living in the flesh. That's the revelation. We say, surely not, I'm a Christian. I'm not like that. To not have faith, to believe in something else other than faith, is to be living in the flesh. It's to be carnal. When we're living, when, when we're just living our lives, hoping that God's going to do something, but really just living our lives out of the normal occurrences of life, just like every other person in the world, guess what? We're living in the flesh, we're living a carnal approach to our lives. We're not anticipating God to be doing anything extraordinary or supernatural in our lives. We're just hoping he's going to do something because we're accumulating a whole lot of good works. We're going to church and we're doing all this stuff and it's a lie. He's not going to do it. He's going to do it because we are living according to the Spirit and empowered by the Spirit. So how do we set our minds on the things of the Spirit? Because that's where the power is. That's where God is. Anyone want the answer? All right. You'll have to invite me back next week. That's it. <laughs> Romans 10, 8 to 10 says this, For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. That's the way you're saved, Right? That's the scripture we use in altar calls. That you believe in your heart and you confess with your mouth as Jesus is saved. Guess what? That's the same way you live by faith. You begin to believe in your heart and you begin to confess with your mouth. That's how you begin to dwell in the Spirit. That's how you begin to keep your mind on the things of the Spirit. What the Lord said to me when I was sitting on that bus complaining and thinking that somehow he's going to do something because I'd done all these good things and I was serving him with my life. 
he said this to me. He said, do you preach what you preach because you are already got stuff or do you preach what you preach because you believe it to be true? And I'm like, well, he said, can you begin to speak the things that are not as though they were? Are you able to speak prosperity and blessing and favour on you and your people when you don't have it right now? Because you don't need faith to talk about the things you've got right now. You need faith for the things you don't have. And so the Lord's saying, you've got to begin to speak those things which are not as though they were. That's what moves me. Not whining and complaining and trying to get me to do stuff because you've done all these things. No, you begin to confess, you begin to speak, you begin to declare the things that are not as though they were and I will begin to make them come into reality. That's the way it works. I live by faith in Christ Jesus. That's how the word manifests. Proverbs 18.21 says this, Life and death are in the power of the tongue. And those who love it will eat its fruit. Romans 4.17, that scripture I just quoted, this is the one that the Lord had a habit of quoting to me. Don't you hate it when God quotes scripture to you? <laughs> he said, I have made you the father of many nations. He is our father in the sight of God in whom he believed, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things that are not as though they were. That's faith. And I began to do that. I began to speak God's blessing and within six months, I mean, I didn't happen immediately, but within six months we had a second car. God began to bless us in many different ways. I didn't come back onto full-time staff immediately. It took a number of years for that to happen, but I began to understand that this is the way the kingdom works. And so often, I was a pastor and I was, I'd taken a hold of this false reality that somehow God was going to bless me because I was committing my life to him and it doesn't move him your need does not move him faith moves him without God without in fact it says there as I said before and we don't like to hear this but that scripture says back in verse 8 those who are in the flesh cannot please God Without faith, you can't please God. So if we're not believing God, if we're not confessing his word, if we're not speaking those things that are not as though they were and believing that he's going to move supernaturally in our circumstances, then we are living a carnal Christian life. We're not actually anticipating or believing or, or, or actually think that anything's really going to happen. We're just hoping that something's going to change. We're going to win the spiritual lotto that somehow God's just going to do something because I'm a nice guy. That's not the way it works. And we need to begin to stand on what God says and begin to speak things into our world. And I guarantee you, they will begin to change. When you're talking about your future, when you're believing that God's going to do something significant are you speaking confessing declaring God's word into your future into your life and speaking the things that are not as though they were and believing that those things are going to happen because that's what's going to change the future that's where the miracles are that's where the power of God is that's what moves God that's how it works the Holy Spirit comes 
Hebrews 11. So the Holy Spirit, here's something else just to grab a hold on as we go. So we 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 confess the word, we declare the word. When we do that, when we take God's word, the word goes from being logos, which is this written word, to the manifest word of God. When we declare the scriptures in faith, Jesus manifests. Just having a Bible does not manifest the word of God. Many people have a Bible, they put it on their shelf, they're very, very spiritual about it, they'll, they'll think if I've got a Bible, God will look after my house, if I've got a Bible, uh, uh, things will happen for me, if I carry a Bible around, if I've got an app. The Logos is the Word of God and it's living, but it needs something to ignite it. Something ignites it. What ignites it? Faith. In Hebrews 11, Verse 3, it says this, By faith we understand that the world worlds were framed by the word of God, so that the things which are seen were not made of the things which are visible. What's it saying? Things were invisible. They weren't there. By faith. By faith, it says, they were created. But hold on, if you go back to Genesis 1, it says God spoke and they were created. But then in Colossians 1.16, it says Jesus created them. What's going on here? Jesus has got confusion. No, what was happening, God spoke the word. The Holy Spirit, it says, was brooding over the waters. When we speak the word, the Holy Spirit begins to move and the word is manifest. Creation came, and the Bible says Jesus created the world. Everything was made through him and for him. So therefore, God spoke the word in faith. The Holy Spirit began to move, and Jesus was manifest, and the world came into being. That's the, that's the word of God. When you begin to declare God's word with faith, the Holy Spirit begins to move in your future, on your circumstances, on your dreams, on your hopes, on your world, and Jesus is manifest and promises come to pass. Things begin to shift. Finances begin to move. Businesses begin to grow. People begin to see miracles. That's the power of the word. I don't want you to spend your Christian life hoping that God's going to do something for you. Because I've got a need. It doesn't move him. If I hadn't begun to do something different, I'd probably still be sitting on that bus, going to church, wishing that God... In fact, I might have even been in ministry now. I might have got so discouraged, disillusioned and disappointed, I might have given up. And that's what happens, isn't it? We get disillusioned, we get discouraged, we get disappointed. The three Ds, because God's not doing what we need him to do or want him to do, and so we give up. But we're not actually... Approaching him the way he says to approach him. The word was manifest. Colossians 1.16, that's the one I just read. So the three elements, the word of God. You've got to speak. We need to speak. If we want to be living in the spirit and not in the flesh, we've got to begin to believe that Jesus Christ and his word is true. We've got to begin to declare it over our life, over our circumstances and over our world. We've got to begin to believe that what he says will come to pass. Because, not because we see it right now. You don't need faith for something you've already got. It says, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not. And he begins to speak them the way, as if they were. 
I like the Amplified Version. It says this, God, uh, the God who gives life to the dead and calls those things which are not, which have been foretold and promised. He begins to speak those as if they already existed. What's God promised you? What's been foretold over your life? What scriptures have come alive and you've begun to pray and you want to see those promises come to pass? You want to begin, it's not going to happen just because you turn up in church, although that's a good thing. It's not going to happen just because we tithe, although that is a good thing. It's not just going to happen because we do religious things. It's going to happen because we take God's word and we begin to declare it like God does into our circumstances, into our marriage, into our finances, into our business, into our relationships, into our, the lives of our children. We begin to speak the things which are not as though they were. That's to be spiritually minded. That's to be living in the Spirit because when we're in the Spirit, when we're confessing and declaring the Word, the Spirit is in operation. The Spirit is moving. The Spirit is waiting. He's the counselor. He's the helper. He's the paraclete. He is waiting for you to begin to declare God's promises on your future. Just like He brooded over that unformed world. Your unformed future, your unformed life, your unformed promises. The Holy Spirit is there and He's not, he's not going to move because of need. He's going to move because you begin to declare God's Word. You activate it and mix it with faith. The Holy Spirit begins to move and, the, and Jesus Christ is manifest. Jesus Christ is the Lord. Jesus Christ is the creator. He's going to create your future. He's going to bring about those things. All things were created through him and for him. We don't stand before God because of our righteousness. We stand before God because of Jesus Christ. We're not perfect, but he's the perfect one. When we put our faith in him, we stand before God, righteous, declared perfect and acceptable before him and because we're in that place we can boldly come before him and begin to ask the bible says confidently and begin to declare that all these promises not the laws all those things the 600 laws and the first five books of the bible jesus christ has fulfilled every single one of them we don't need to worry about trying to prove ourselves before god we begin to take the promises that are in christ jesus we begin to speak them over our world and our life and things begin to happen. Things begin to change. The Word comes alive. Jesus is manifest through the Holy Spirit and God gets the glory. God gets the glory as your world turns around in Jesus' name. Let's give him a hand this, this evening. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. The Word, the Word of God. Jesus Christ, he's the word, manifest. The Holy Spirit reveals and manifests Jesus. It says of, uh, it says of Jesus in Matthew chapter 13, it says, uh, Matthew, sorry, Matthew 1, 18, it says this. Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Jesus was manifest 
by the Holy Spirit. He was born of the Holy Spirit. How is Jesus manifest in our life? By the Holy Spirit. By the Holy Spirit. That's why he's here. He's here tonight. He's here tonight to manifest Jesus Christ in your life. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life or you're away from him right now, if you ask of him, the Holy Spirit will come and manifest Jesus Christ in your life. Whosoever. And if you're needing God to move in your world and in your life, the need alone is not going to move him. You've got to begin to ask and declare. You've got to begin to speak the promises of God and say, you know what? It may be like that right now, but it's not going to be like that in the future. I might be bankrupt right now. I might be catching a bus to church, but I'm going to begin to declare God's word and his word is going to manifest. The blessing, the prosperity and the favor of God is going to come into my life in Jesus' name. You may have marriage problems at the moment. You're going to begin to declare the promises of God, the blessing of God on your relationship, on your marriage, uh, on, your, on your world, on your home, your kids. Away from God, you're going to begin to declare God's goodness and favor on their world that at the right time, they're going to come back into the house of God. Jesus Christ is manifest through the Holy Spirit. And he's here tonight. Why don't we all stand as we uh, come to a close. And uh, I'm just going to lead you in a prayer. A prayer of commitment to not live Unbeknowings, oftentimes, a carnal Christian life. Just in the flesh. And I'm not talking about, you know, that other stuff which we know about. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about where we're just, <clears throat> we're just allowing life to unfold. We're just letting it unfold. Maybe we've got discouraged. Maybe we have got disappointed. Maybe we've been disillusioned. And we're still in church. And we still love God. And we're still reading them, and we still tithe, and we, and we do all these things, but we're no longer believing for great things. We're no longer holding on for promises that our future can hold. We're just going through the motions, and God wants to meet with you here tonight. He wants to, he wants to heal you of those things and move you into the spirit realm where you're living in the power of the spirit where you're living with a mind that is set on the spirit and on his promises that you're declaring them into your world and your circumstances the thing is that the timing is in God's hands that's where the that's where the tension is so we get tired because we've been believing, we've been confessing, and it's not happening, and we're like, oh, I'll just, I'm just going to give up. I'm just going to let that go. And I love you, God, but I don't know if that's ever going to happen. It hasn't happened. I, I want you to rise again here tonight. That's carnal thinking. Everybody in the world outside of Christ is living that way, hoping that things are going to work out for them, manipulating and working people and 
office politics and, and family dynamics and, and trying to get what we want by manipulating and moving other people as a believer. You don't need to do that. You can love people. The Bible says you can put, them, put other people first and God will still move you to the top because you're trusting in Him, in His goodness, in His love, in His promises. We don't need to do all that stuff. We live according to the Word. We put our trust in Jesus. And God begins to manifest. How good is that? Why don't we close our eyes right now? Jesus. If that's you here tonight, and I want to include these people in in my prayer. If you've never asked Jesus Christ into your life, you've never prayed that prayer, and you're hoping that you're going to get to heaven or you're going to be right with God because you're a good person, it doesn't work. You need Jesus. I would love you to ask Jesus into your heart tonight. Maybe you're away from God. Once you were in that place, trusting Him, putting Him first, but for whatever reason, priorities have shifted and He's no longer number one and you're not doing and living the way you know you should be living. And tonight you're saying, you know what, I need to come back and make Him number one. It's two people. But I just want to pray for these other people as well. That message resonated with you. And maybe you've just let go in your heart of a promise or a declaration or something you were holding on to or something you were dreaming about, something that God put in your heart, maybe to do with your calling, maybe to do with your future, maybe a business situation and you stepped out and it didn't work out. Maybe you went bankrupt. Maybe things didn't work out. It put you back financially. And so you sort of let that go or it's in a relationship. But tonight, something's rising again on the inside and you want to move out of just living in the flesh, living by our senses, living by what we can accumulate and what we can do. And we and you want to move to another dimension where God is able to do immeasurably more than all you ask, think or imagine. That's the supernatural. That's where God is. And if you will step into that place tonight, I will guarantee you that Jesus will begin to manifest in your world and in your circumstances. And the world that he has for you will begin to be created. That's the way it works. So if any of those things relate to you, I'm just going to ask you, I'm not going to call everyone forward, but I'm just going to ask you to put up your hand as an indication to the Lord that you mean business. To say, you know what, Lord, I'm going to do that. I'm either going to ask Jesus Christ into my life, I'm going to, come back to him or I'm making a decision right now that I've let go of some things and I'm going to take them up again and I'm going to begin to declare them over my life. I'm not going to let it go. I'm going to speak God's word. I'm going to trust in him. I'm going to watch that thing change in Jesus name. If that's you, either of those things, I want you to put your hand up right now as an indication. Just put up high so I can see it. It's an indication to me and to the Lord that you mean business. And the Bible says, as I read there back in Romans 10, 8 and 9, if you believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord and you confess that with your mouth, that his word is true, that's what it means, that his word is true, 
you will be saved. You will move into his dimension, his kingdom, his promises. Let me pray for you here tonight. Father, in the name of Jesus, you see these hands. I pray you heal every hurt, every disappointment, every painful discouragement, Lord, every humiliating defeat that keeps us and robs us of our confidence. In the name of Jesus, I break the power of that. I break it right now in Jesus' name. You loose them, you devil, and you set them free. That mind-numbing, eye-blinding hope in the future, I break it right now in Jesus' name. I break it, and I speak life, and I speak promise, and I speak hope in the name of Jesus Christ. And we declare your word, Lord. We declare the promises of God. We declare the things that are not as though they were here tonight in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Come on, let's give him a hand tonight. Come on, let's worship him. Let's give him a clap offering as the Lord of lords and the King of kings. In Jesus' name, we worship you, God. You're worthy. You're worthy. You're worthy. Praise God. Praise God. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. Awesome. How good was that? I don't even think I need to get up here, but let's just stay in that place right now and worship God as pastor.